Well, this morning, uh, one of the um, starting questions, and we added to that question, was what would it take? What would it take for you to actually turn your back? On Jesus Christ, we don't we don't usually ask that question, but that is the question that we asked, and we looked at several things that can heavily influence our lives, where we would perhaps allow that influence to have such an effect on our lives that we would turn our back on Jesus Christ. Uh, we, we talked about some of the good things that become distractions. We, we talked about those in our lives who are perhaps godly people or really good people. They're church people and, and they have an effect on our lives by, by letting us down. Uh, we, we might have a moment in our lives where, where God doesn't meet the expectations, the, the thoughts that we thought he would do for us and uh, so we feel like God's let us down so so why do we continue even following this God uh, we may at moments in our lives feel like the cost is is just too great J- Jesus did say that we are to take up our cross daily and follow him it, it may be that just sometimes there, the world seems to present uh, to us a, a better package, a better deal. And, and we, we would be distracted by that better deal and begin to pursue that better deal rather than following Jesus Christ. Or, or, or it might be a, a new teaching, a, a new way, or, or some scientific evidence that kind of puts God out of the, the picture and we would turn our back on him or simply that thought of being tricked uh, allowing satan to 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 deceive us or to to bring some new information in our lives and information that may seem to be pretty good stuff but really is not uh, truth and it leads us away as i thought about that one one of the things that that does take place in in all of these instances in all these cases that can affect our lives is, is that we begin not to take the dive quickly, but we begin to live a life of, of compromise. Um, you, you know what that means, don't you? Uh, a, a life where we begin to compromise that which we believed and begin to to do something that really we had in our lives as a belief system and, and, and turn away from that. Well, I mean, let, let me let me give you kind of an illustration. Um, I mean, every, we, we're all kind of expected to compromise. And I know this may be a kind of a, a bad uh, illustration of compromise. And, and really, it has nothing to do with with uh, going away from God's plan and will in our lives. But but let's say that you um, you you go with uh, your special other to uh, Dairy Ripple. And we've been talking about Dairy Ripple, I guess, a little bit lately. But you go to Dairy Ripple and, and, and one of you is a, uh, a, a real vanilla freak. 
And, and the other of you is a, uh, a chocolate addict. And, and you realize that you only have a dollar and 45 cents in your, your pocket and you recognize that uh, because you want to uh, please both um, and you, you can only get one ice cream cone and you're going to lick it together, so you, you, you get the twist cone. And uh, you, you say that uh, that's the compromise, the, the twist of the vanilla and the chocolate together. And, 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 and that, that kind of is a, a really rotten way of explaining compromise. But, but, but when it comes to what God has designed for our own lives and, and his, his perfect plan and his, his perfect design and His perfect will for us, and we begin to mix that which is pure and holy and good and godly with something that is poison, the poison ends up messing up all of the purity. I'd like to ask you tonight... In, in your life, where you're at, on this journey, wh- whether you're really, really hot on fire for God or you're, 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 you're just kind of daily walking this, this walk, you believe. Let, let me ask you, are, are you living a life of compromise? You recognize that, that, that God has a design for your life. He has a particular plan for your life. And you're kind of mixing it all up. A, a life that is a compromise from what God's perfect intention is for you. Uh, we, we might be there tonight. We might be there even this week. And so I, I, I need to ask you, if, if you're going to take the slippery slope down, the slippery slope downwards is going to be because of compromise, spiritual compromise. Um, Chris, you have, you have that photo. Uh, could, could you show that photo for, for me right now? Could you pop it up of the couple? Well, that's a beautiful photo, and, and just that, um, well, that that we'll, we'll we'll just share that photo. Um, that was a photo of James, Edgar, and Joe Beth Bred. Is it Breden? Breden, who were uh, married yesterday at Heartland, and uh, God God is doing an incredible work in the life of uh, this young couple, and I had the opportunity. Of being with them yesterday, um, God, God's just doing a great work, and I, I didn't expect that photo there, but uh, it's great to see that photo. Um, will, you, will you be praying for uh, James and Joe Beth in these days, and certainly the Edgar family? Uh, praise be to God. Um, if, if if you can just bring up the next photo there, 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 there we go. Um. Of course, you know the lovely smile in the middle. 
I'd like you to uh, to introduce you to um, Nordine Polet uh, and Hayet. Nordine and Hayet. You don't know them, do you? They're they're a part of our lives. Both Nordin and Hayet have origin in Algeria. Their families moved to France and eventually, through God's orchestration, we we had the privilege of getting to know both Nordin and Hayet. Uh, Because of their Algerian background, both of them were influenced within the Islamic faith. They, They both came from Muslim families. I, I first met Nordine several several years ago when when he had moved to Reunion Island where we were living, this little little tiny place uh, next to Madagascar. And and Nordine had had gone to a uh, a film, uh, watched a film called The Passion of the Christ. Uh, some some of you have seen that film. Uh, Nordine was very 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 far from knowing God and walking with God, but but during that film, he uh, he gave his life to Jesus Christ, and, and this 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 young man was was radically changed. Radically saved. And, and for the next two or three years, he, he passionately uh, shared his faith with other people. Uh, uh, I became acquainted with Nordine and and we would have opportunity oftentimes to, to be out on, on the streets, literally evangelizing on the streets. And I'll tell you in France, that, that is really atypical, okay? I, if, if you want to hear some crazy stories where I really sweat in life, it, it happened oftentimes with this friend, Nordine. Nordine became aware of this young lady, Hayette, in France, who was a missionary to children, particularly to to Muslim children. And he began to correspond with her and eventually was able to go to France. And in France, he he made the proposal to her to, to, to be married. But Hayat's story goes back a long way. You, you see, she, she was a, a girl who was in a very 
strict Islamic family. One day, she was about eight or nine years old. Eight or nine years old, folks. A friend of hers invited her to go to a vacation Bible school in France. And and for some reason, her dad and mom said to her, well, we'll let you go this one time because she is your friend. We'll let you go this one time to this vacation Bible school. Folks, I'm I'm glad we have vacation Bible school. I'm thankful that we love kids. We care about where they're going. We care about their souls. We care about their moms and dads. But I am so thankful that, that we do it from a very young age all the way up. Hayat, a young Islamic girl in France. Now, France, of course, has, has more religious freedoms, but devout, strict Islamic family allows their daughter to go to a vacation Bible school one night. And when she goes to that vacation Bible school, that one night, that one night of her life, the gospel message of Jesus Christ is presented to her. And she accepts Jesus Christ into her heart as her personal Savior that one night. And she's saved. And she goes back and she tells her mom and dad what's happened. And her mom and dad say, you will never go back to a church again. Eight years old. Eight years old. Can the seed of Jesus Christ... Survive in an eight year old? (laughs) Ten years pass. She's 18 years old. She is allowed to go to college. And for the first time in her life, she can make a decision on her own. And where does she go? She connects with the church of Jesus Christ and has the opportunity to become a vibrant Christian young lady. The seed of one night, one girl, ten years later, still exists. You can't get rid of Jesus Christ in your life if you got him in your heart. <laughs> Moms and dads, 
Satan, hell, all this world has a throw at you cannot take away the seed of Jesus Christ in your heart if you desire his seed to be in your life. Nordine becomes aware of this young lady, now 24 years old, a missionary to Muslim children in France, begins to correspond with her. Eventually goes to France meets her, visits with her, proposes to her, to her to become her husband, for her to become his wife. And six months later, she moves to Reunion Island, where we live. A vibrant Christian man, and woman. And because Mary Lou and I are friends with Nordine, he asks us to do their marriage counseling to prepare them for their marriage that will take place five months later. Now, when she moves to Reunion Island, she does not have a job. He does. In France, I would say the statistics are something like this. 99.9% of those who are preparing to get married will live together before their marriage ceremony. That is the norm in France. It is normal to have extramarital relationships outside of marriage in France. That's, that's the norm. When Hyette moves to Reunion Island, France, where we are living... And we prepare to do their marital counseling. They understand that God's word calls us to a holy life. A life of purity, a life of separation, a life that exemplifies Jesus Christ. And Nordine, with his one job and a little bit of extra that he can do, decides they are going to pay for two different apartments to live in so that they continue to exemplify Jesus Christ even though the norm isn't their normal. <laughs> they decide to exemplify Jesus Christ even though it is not convenient and though it is even more expensive. It is more expensive in France to live unmarried. More perks, more cutbacks. Than it is to be married. They make the decision. To pay the price. They decide that 
they will not compromise. Because they did not compromise. They are leaders in the church of reunion. Because their lives are an example that Jesus Christ can enable you and me to do the hard, the challenging, the difficult, even though it may not be convenient. Do you have the next picture, Chris? That was a beautiful day. I had the privilege of performing their ceremony several months later. It, it wasn't so, so much so exciting about the, the marriage. It was a beautiful marriage. But, but to see that, that God had worked in a way that was not popular within the culture, but was pleasing to God. And, and I believe, church, boy, if, if we are, we're going to make a difference in, in the life of our world these days, God asked us to live a life that is pure and holy and exemplary to Him, to, to not compromise. It's, it's, it's really easy to compromise. But it, it doesn't exemplify Jesus Christ. When we compromise, there, there were some young men, and I, I want to just look at that briefly tonight in closing. Daniel chapter 1. In the third year of the reign of Jehoiakim, king of Judah, Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles of the temple of God. These he carried off to, to, to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put it in the treasure house of his God. That, that, that's a sign of, of conquering. And the king ordered Ashpenaz, chief of his court officials, to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every, every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, qualified to serve in the king's palace. He was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. The king assigned them a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table, they were to be trained for three years. And after they were to enter the king's service. Among these were some from Judah. Daniel. Hananiah. Mishael. And Azariah. Note. The chief priests the chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. 
to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. But listen to this. But Daniel resolved. Catch that word? Resolved. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with the royal food and the wine. And he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. So what's the big deal? Daniel is saying to the official, I don't want to compromise. I don't want to take a chance on what I believe God wants me to do. Now, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. But the official told Daniel, I'm afraid of my Lord, the king who has assigned your food and drink. Why should he see you looking worse than the young men your age? The king would then have my head because of you. Daniel then said to the guard whom the chief official had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then compare our appearance with that of the young men who eat the royal food and with Eat the royal food and treat your servants in accordance with what you see. So he agreed to this and he tested them then for for ten days. At the end of the ten days, they looked healthier, better nourished than any of the young men who ate the royal food. So the guard took away their choice food and the wine they were to drink and gave them vegetables instead. To these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kind. In Daniel 1, 3 through 5, Nebuchadnezzar was a smart political leader. He chose these princes from Judah and he planned to train them to team them up with his political leaders. Nebuchadnezzar ordered his chief officer to bring in some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility, young men. The kind assigned of food assigned to them was a daily amount of food and wine from the king's table. It seemed to be good stuff. They were to be trained for three years. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. In Daniel chapter 1, verse 6, it says, Among these were some from Judah. Daniel named Daniel, of course, meaning God is my judge. Hananiah, the Lord has been gracious Mishael, the one who comes 
from God. And Azariah, the Lord, is my helper. The chief official gave them Babylonian names instead. He gave them the names uh, Belshazzar, which means the, the secret of their God is Bel. To Hananiah, Shadrach, the inspiration of the sun god. To Mishael, Meshach, he who belongs to the goddess Shishak. And to Azariah, Abednego, servant of Nebo, the morning star. Although the young people were given names of pagan gods of Babylon, they kept their god in their heart. Daniel 1.8 But Daniel, along with his three friends, the Scripture says, resolved not to defile themselves with the royal food and the wine. And Daniel asked the chief officer for permission not to defile himself this way. You see, it was with unshakable conviction, holy daring, and a sense of delicate finesse, courtesy shown by Daniel and his companions that revealed their extraordinary gifts and wisdom and ultimate character and love for God. Daniel and his friends were committed to living a life without compromise. And just two things here. You live a life without compromise when you stay true to your convictions. May God give us convictions and may God enable us to keep our convictions because we are convicted by a God who has given us truth placed upon our, our heart. But secondly, you live a life without compromise when you're willing to take the test. And they were willing to take the test. Would it be okay with you, king official, if we try it out and just see what happens? If we stay true to our convictions, could you just check us out and see if it's going to be all right? And, and folks, your compromise, your challenge of compromise could be in so many multiple ways. For, for Nordine and Ayette, it was one thing about this thing about purity and, and wholeness and holiness. For you, the compromise might be totally different. But would you, would you test God and see that He will permit you and allow you and enable you to test and see that He is true when you live true to Him? I believe, friends, tonight that the church of Jesus Christ, if we're going to make this kind of difference we're talking about in our world, we really got to quit the compromise. 
And when we quit the compromise and see what God is able to do. The life of Christ will be exemplary within the world in which we live. Father, as we come to a conclusion tonight. Please do something within our hearts to, to put a resolve in us, a choice in us tonight that there, there may be some things that are right now happening in our lives and, and we're kind of wavering. And, and it's possible that when we compromise, we're just going to slip and fall. And we do say thank you, God, tonight to you that if we do slip and fall, you're able to pick us up and bring us to a place of no compromise. To change our hearts. Lord, where, where there are really hard decisions to be made. In our lives tonight, maybe it's about a, a, a business deal. Or it's about a relationship. Or it's about how we respond to someone who has already harmed us. Lord, would you do something in us tonight? In our heart and our mind and our choices. That we would decide to follow Jesus no matter what. No compromise. Father, I, I pray for. Perhaps several here. I know I've been there, God, where the compromise has taken place and it's taken us to places where we never really wanted to end up, but we got there. Would you tonight begin the road of recovery, the road of restoration? The road of repentance. The road to return. To all that you have for us. We're thankful, God, that in Jesus Christ, you're able to forgive. And to forgive completely and set us on a new course. For the one Lord tonight who perhaps is beating themselves up. The one who says, uh, I, have, I have compromised so much. I've gone down that slippery slope so far. There is no hope for me. Would you open that door tonight to recognize, help them to recognize your grace, your forgiveness, your love goes beyond the greatest sin. And you're able to recover that which is lost. Thank you, Lord, for those who have shown that it is possible to live a godly life like Nordine and Hayat in a compromising world. Thank you for examples like them. Lord, make examples of us that our lives Speak Christ, your love, your truth to the world we live in. We pray these things in Jesus' name and for your glory. Amen.
Amen.